Greetings, listeners, if any, and welcome to DM Dad, the podcast about running D&D and other RPGs for kids. A great way to spend time with your family now that your friends are too old and have all moved away. So, um, <clears throat> I uh, uploaded my first um, my first podcast episode on Friday, and then I uh, took the weekend off. Weekend is is family time, so I uh, I don't really do any non family orientated activities on the weekend. And then I I come back and I see that I've got ten listens and like nine favorites and some applauses. And my first ever phone-in comment from uh, Colin at Spike Pit. So um, all I can say is uh, I had no idea that I would, you know, get any amount of attention at all this early. And I am humbled and honored and grateful. Um, you know, I I, uh, I used to, to write a Mexican food blog. And, you know, towards the end, it started to get some attention. But, you know, it, it took a, you know, a good few years of of uh, a regular posting and things like that. So, you know, I was prepared to just, well, I'm going to start this thing and we'll just, you know, keep working at it day by day. And sometime down the road, some people will start listening to it. But uh, this is a, this is a very auspicious start and I really appreciate it. So um, I think on that note, we'll go ahead and we'll uh, play Colin's message and, uh, you know, <laughs> be our first phone in message. This is awesome. Hello, Robert. It's Colin here, uh, Spike Pit. Just uh, congratulating you on your first episode. I thought you'd done a good job of that, mate. Uh, interesting subject matter. I'm a dad myself. I've got three children. Uh, my eldest is 14, and they range down to nine, and my youngest son, and I've got a little girl in the middle. So uh, we do quite a bit of gaming. You might want to uh, check out Maze Rats if you get a chance. Um, ben Milton's game you may well know of it but i find that pretty good with the kids because it it's really good at firing up the imagination got a load of random tables in there um i'm always banging on about it so you'll probably hear me talk about it another time um yeah but once again i look forward to your next episode don't leave it too long <laughs> and uh, take care catch you later so yeah thanks again colin for that um it's funny, um, the idea of not leaving the episode too long. Um, I'm aware that a lot of podcasters do like a pretty much a, a daily podcast. Um, I, I was hoping to kind of do weekly at best. Um, one, one thing is I'm, I'm worried if I get into the habit of just, you know, firing up the phone and talking into it about whatever happens to, you know, come into my head uh, and then uploading it. I might like go on some kind of rant and then upload it and be like later on, well, I probably shouldn't have uploaded that. You know, um, I, uh, I want to want to stay away from controversial, uh, topics and stuff while I'm here. And, uh, so I, I usually like to, uh, I get an idea for what I'm going to talk about and then I sleep on it. And then the next day, does that still seem like a good idea? And then if it does, then I'll go ahead and, and start working on the episode. Um, I also do it in like segments, you know, so um, that that first episode was actually recorded over the entire week. 
and I didn't get it finished until Friday because, you know, I got to snatch a few, a few seconds here, a few seconds there when the kids are busy trashing the sitting room. So, um, but on to, uh, maze rats. So, um, yeah, that's not something I, I have right now. So I'm looking at it right now on our, on uh, drive through RPG. First of all, it's two ninety nine US full price, but right now Drive Through RPG are having their Christmas in July sale, so it's marked down to two dollars twenty four cents. That's US, so two and a quarter. Um, so when I convert that to pounds, which is what I'll pay, that's going to be nothing. I'm I can probably just go and search in the cushions of my sofa and find enough. So I may as well buy that as not. But the description, Maze Rats is an RPG and sandbox toolkit for old school style adventuring. You had me at sandbox. That's the magic word for me. Anything that advertises itself as a sandbox is going to pique my interest. Um, that's, that's what I like. I like. I like the player characters to be the driving force at the table. Um, you never know what your players are going to attempt, what they're going to, um, what they're going to respond to, how they're going to respond to it. You know, there's a, there's a Twitter account called the pink dice GM. And he tweeted once, if you're certain, it was something like, if you're certain that there are only two ways to respond to a certain scenario, I guarantee you, your players will spend an hour debating three completely different options. And that sums up in a nutshell why I like running games more than playing games. Because if you're a player, you don't know what the, the game master is going to throw at you. So you can be surprised by the game master. If you're the game master, you've got like four people who can surprise you. You know, you never know what's going to happen next. It's just like, you know, strap yourself in. This is going to be a wild ride. And it is continually surprising and continually challenging and always unexpected. And that's <clears throat> why if somebody came up to me and said, you can play Dungeons and Dragons every day for the rest of your life, but you have to decide whether you're going to DM or play. You can only do one, not the other. I'd be like, fine, I'm going to DM. <laughs> I'll never play again. I'll just DM. I would do that in a heartbeat because that's where the magic is for me. Uh, more... More on the Maze Rats description. It contains a single compact page of rules. Excellent. I, I am definitely a rules light person. A one-page character creation guide. Nothing. I, creating a character in something like, like a heavy system like Pathfinder is the most boring thing that I can imagine. So anything you can do to make character generation quick and easy, I'm there. You know, that's where I want to be. Um... Eight pages of thirty-six item random tables. There are there are like there are two things that I can never have enough of as a game master. Monsters and random tables. You know, I will take all the random tables that you have, you know. I steal them from people's blogs, I steal them from other game systems. I recently backed uh the Black Hat second edition. Purely on the strength of random tables. It said there's going to be loads of random tables. I'm like, I'm in. You know, take my money. There's a lot of, there's a lot of rules in the Black Hack. 
um, at least in first edition that I'm not interested in. I don't, I don't want to change how armor class works. I'm fine with armor class. I realize that armor class ought to reduce damage, not make you harder to hit. But you know what? AC and rule to hit, that works. So I'm not interested in changing that. But random tables, you know, gimme. So, so I'm like, here, take my money. So hopefully that'll be uh, available soon. Um, so yeah, I'm going to pick this up. And I will give it a look. And I will probably review it. Because one thing I would definitely like to do um, on this podcast is review the things that I like. So, um, and talk about the, the things that I, that I like and that I play. So, on that note, um, I had said that um, my second episode would talk about, you know, how I started running D&D for uh, my daughter if I didn't get any comments or questions, but I got comments and questions. So, uh, so we're going to talk about those. Um, and two people commented on my Facebook page after listening to the podcast about um, the My Little Pony role-playing game. Um, I gather this is a thing that not a lot of people know exists, um, which is too bad because it's actually a great game. So the official name of the game is My Little Pony Tales of Equestria. Tales is T-A-I-L-S. Yay, puns! And it bills itself as a storytelling game. It's a role-playing game. Um, of course, it calls itself a story pay- storytelling game because it it is in part marketed at people who maybe don't have a lot of experience with role-playing games. Um, and this is a great thing because, uh, I mean, there's another game that I've recently got into called Kids on Bikes. And uh, I'm a member of the Facebook group for for this uh, um, for this game. And I've seen more than once people posting that, you know, they're going to run this game and they've never run any RPGs before. And, you know, it's easy to forget based on how popular Dungeons and Dragons and Pathfinder are that the idea of a fantasy role playing game is not everybody's cup of tea, but that doesn't mean that our role-playing game isn't. And there's some people who are maybe just waiting for a different genre, and then they're going to get into this. And obviously, this particular game is for fans of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, um, also referred to as Generation 4 or G4 of the My Little Pony franchise. Um, We at my house first got into this... um, so because so I am clearly from the United States, um, but I've been living in the UK for 16 years. My wife is Scottish. My kids are Scottish. A couple of years ago, or three years ago to be exact, we went back to my home state of California for a family wedding, and I thought this would be a great this would be a great opportunity to bring my kids and make them meet all their American relatives en masse. And while we were there, we, of course, watched American television, and we all discovered uh, the cartoon series Teen Titans Go. And I was always a big fan of DC Comics when I was a kid. I'd never actually seen the the cartoon Teen Titans, the, the more serious cartoon that preceded Teen Titans Go. Teen Titans Go is basically... Um, Teen Titans got cancelled, so they kept the the cast and rebooted it as a wacky screwball comedy. And I I loved this from the very first episode. I'm like, this is great. I mean, it really is funny. Um, and uh, and my kids loved it too, especially my daughter, and she especially latched on to the character of Raven. 
Raven is also my favorite character. Um, I was I was quite quite a, a wannabe goth when I was a teenager, so I was a lot like Ray, Raven. I really relate related to her, like moody and sullen, and she's never enthusiastic about anything. Raven is voiced by Tara Strong, and Tara Strong is also the voice of Twilight Sparkle on My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. And the producers obviously thought that it would be really funny if Raven is secretly a big fan of My Little Pony. Of course, they can't call it that because that's a copyright. So they created a fictional version called Pretty Pretty Pegasus. And, and make, uh, Raven is always uh, secretly playing with her Pretty Pretty Pegasus dolls or watching Pretty Pretty Pegasus when no one's around. So... Like I said, my daughter really fell head over heels for Raven, and she was even Raven for Halloween. And because Raven loves Pretty Pretty Pegasus, she wanted to be a fan of Pretty Pretty Pegasus. And I, I happened to mention, oh, that's really based on My Little Pony, you know. So now she wants to watch My Little Pony. And initially, I was not happy about this, um, because at the time, all I remembered was the 80s toys with these adverts of little girls brushing pony hair. And I thought, you know, this is a toy that's going to reinforce all the old stereotypes about what it means to be a girl. And, you know, kind of the opposite of, of what Raven embodies, which is, you know, Raven is not girly. She's not into makeup. She's not into, you know, fancy clothes. She She's really powerful and you know, beats the living crap out of uh, bad guys and stuff. So I thought this was going to basically undo all that good work. But you can't really ban your children from from doing something because it goes against your political philosophy. I can't be like, you can't watch this show because it's not feminist enough. I mean, I, I could do that, but I don't know. I, I don't think that's a good idea. So I let her watch it, which of course meant that I had to watch it. And then I, I realized from watching it that it actually has a lot of really positive uh, positive gender roles. I mean, they're not they're not even like gender roles, you know. So the character of Rarity, she's obsessed with fashion and jewels, and she's a fashion designer. But she's the only person on the show who's like that. So it's not like girls are like this. It's like Rarity is like this, and the opposite of that is Rainbow Dash who is the best flyer in all of Equestria. She's basically an athlete. She doesn't like fancy clothes. She doesn't like makeup. She doesn't like spa days. She just likes flying really fast. She's highly competitive. Or Applejack, who's a farm girl. So she's into hard work. And she doesn't like fancy clothes either because you're not going to wear that when you're out there in the in the farm or in the orchard working hard. It's just going to get It's just going to get ruined. She has no use for that sort of thing. You know, um, so anything that you could think of in that show that that feels like it would be a traditional feminine role is confined to one character and becomes an individual role, and it's usually contrasted with something completely different, so that the ensemble cast as a whole represent a wide range of roles for girls. And the other thing is, um, you know, these girls go out and they have adventures and they fight monsters and they never go, oh man, if only a man were here, you know, they sort it out themselves, but they don't even make a big deal about sorting it out themselves. It's just taken as a given that of course they can sort things out themselves. So, you know, I've, 
So I've done a complete 180 on uh, My Little Pony. So when I saw there was a My Little Pony role-playing game, I thought, well, we're going to get this. In fact, I believe it was even a Christmas present. Um, so how does this game work? Um, it is published by River Horse, who are also the publishers of the Labyrinth board game, um, among other things. And it basically has the exact same dice mechanic, which is you have some ability scores, and instead of assigning a number to them, you assign one of the six standard RPG dice to it. And the higher the die, the better you are. So, you know, you, you've got from D4 to D20, a starting character, the highest you're going to get. If you're an Earth Pony, you're going to get a D8. Otherwise, a D6 is the highest you're going to get. And uh, you, as you level up, you can upgrade your die. Um, only one die at a time, so you don't get to upgrade all your stats. But gradually, you'll be able to become stronger, smarter, more charismatic. It is a game meant for kids, so it is rules light, mechanics light. It has four stats rather than the six that we would have in something like D&D. Um, and those stats are, I oh know, three stats. Three stats and your cutie mark talent. So you've got body, mind, and charm. Your body is used for anything physical, your mind is used for anything mental, and your charm is, you know, anything that would be a charisma check. And then you have a, a number of talents. You get, you get one for free based on what type of pony you are, Earth Pony, Pegasus, or Unicorn. And you get your cutie mark talent, um, which is, that's the, the specific thing that you do. You also choose an element of harmony. That's like your alignment, but they're all good. So no, there's going to be no chaotic neutral ponies. And basically, whenever you need to do something, you roll the appropriate die and try to hit a target number. The target numbers are a lot different than they would be in like a d20 system, because especially if you're starting off with your highest die as a d6, well, there's not going to be anything of a dif difficulty of 15, is there? Um, it's got quite a lot of good artwork. Basically, there's still photos from the, the television show. So somebody will have um, had to go through hours and hours of footage looking for appropriate still photos to uh, stick in here. But it does have this really nice map of Equestria, um, a, a two-page spread. Um, this would be a, a nice thing to have as a as a fold-out map to hand to the players. Um, so if anybody from River Horse is listening, maybe see what you can do about that. You don't have hit points, you have stamina points. And when you reach zero stamina, you don't die. Um, what it actually says about stamina is that you can't go on. Um, you can interpret that maybe you fall, fall unconscious. Maybe you're just too tired to move, you know. Something bad might happen to you. Um, like you might get captured because you're basically helpless. But after a, after a certain amount of time, your stamina will come back and you can move again. So it could be a good opportunity for a dramatic moment. Like now your adventure has an escape scenario. Or if there was anything time sensitive, the time just got a lot tighter. Or maybe you even missed it.
but this is not a game where you're you're expected to have to deal with uh, life threatening uh, obstacles and challenges and where you might die. One thing it specifically says: nobody can be an alicorn. They know that your characters are going to want to be alicorns. Um, my daughter wants to be an alicorn, and I said, "I'll make you a deal: be a unicorn, and if you reach tenth level, then we can go on an epic quest for you to become an alicorn. We'll we'll make a a, a whole adventure about you proving you're worthy to be an alicorn, and then your character can retire as an NPC. Alicorns would break the game." Um, there's a lot of, a lot of the rule book walks you through the general concepts of role-playing games, assuming that you're unfamiliar with them. So if you are an experienced role player, you will skim through all of that. It has a, uh, an interesting me mechanic called tokens of friendship. So basically, um, you start with a certain number of them and it's based on the number of total players. Um, and then you get more of them by doing friendly things basically you know especially things that are not in your best interest but might be in the best interest of another either another player character or pony character as they're called see so it still is a pc um or an npc and you can periodically give them back to the game master um and you give them back to roll again, basically. If you fail to roll, you can give back one token of friendship and re-roll. If you give back two tokens of friendship, you can re-roll, but on a d20. Which, considering that, it's going to take you a long time before you actually have a d20 in any of your stats. So, that's a pretty good, you know, you can still roll a one, but, you know, it's you stand a better chance of succeeding. Or you can give back three tokens of friendship and just automatically pass. Automatically succeed in the role. Um, the Game Master can always say that, no, it would not be appropriate for you to be able to give, you know, tokens back and re-roll or automatically succeed. But, you know, in general, that's how it works. And um, you can kind of retcon the story if you need to. You can also give your tokens of friendship to your other friends, allowing them to roll. So if they're out of it, if they're out of tokens and you have some left, you can give them to give back. Which probably might earn you some more tokens of friendship because that's a nice thing to do. Um, other than that, you know, tests and challenges, they, they work basically the same way that they would work in any any modern role-playing game it's just that the the difficulties run from 2 to 20 but they're gonna really hang around the single digits because for a long time you're gonna be on single digit dice anyway so for instance a 7 is considered very hard and you gotta think like a first level character can only well they can't even, they can only make a 7 if they give back two tokens of friendship thus allowing them to roll on a d20 Otherwise, they can't really succeed because they won't have a die that high. Um, one thing I think is really in weird about this book is um, there's a little sidebar that says, don't worry about the fact that ponies don't have fingers. You know, it's like, I've seen the show. I know the ponies use their hooves the way that we use our hands. I wasn't going to make it a thing. I wasn't going to be like, sorry, you can't do that because you haven't got any digits you know, you, 
you're in a world where ponies can talk and bake cakes and, you know, lasso animals and, you know, when the, if, if you're really worried about, hey, ponies don't actually have fingers, how are you going to grip onto the edge of that cliff? You're playing the wrong game, so... But the 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 great thing about this game, there is a fighting mechanic, you know, in case you meet something like a timber wolf, which if you've ever seen the show is a wolf that is actually made out of wood and you can kick it into pieces, but after a certain amount of time, it'll just knit itself back together and come after you again. A truly terrifying creature. Um, so you can you can fight if you have to. There is a rule for that. But it is not a combat combat orientated game. It is a game that foregrounds nonviolent conflict resolution. And if you are thinking about playing a role playing game with your kids, and you are concerned about violence and whether or not some games might encourage them to use violence to solve problems, then this is a game that really doesn't have. Any violence at all. Um, I've run two adventures in it so far, and they had one fight. And that was near the climax of the the second uh, adventure, which was a lot more epic. And that fight didn't go to the death or to anybody actually reaching zero stamina. These two stone pony golems came out and started attacking the party. Um, but they were being controlled by... Um, another pony, the villain, and my kids pretty pretty quickly qu figured out that what they needed to do was not fight the pony golems, who are practically invincible, but convince the pony who was controlling them to stop making them fight. So when it was my son's turn, he had his character. They'd found a, a bangle earlier, and that was her bangle, and my son had his character hand it to her, like, give it back. And so I was like, wow, okay. Um, and then I had him roll a charm test, and it was good enough. So it's like, well, yeah, so she's going to call her stone and golems back because she's now thinking that maybe you're going to be friends. And that's kind of how you're supposed to resolve things in this game. You know, you're supposed to look for a way around the violence. Um, so it's a, it's, a really good, it's a really good game for when you don't feel like you want to put in a lot of fighting and a lot of dark stuff. And if you're a fan of the franchise, if you're not a fan of the franchise, and if your kids are not a fan of the franchise, then this is not a game you're going to enjoy. It is far too dialed in to this franchise. It's for fans only. But it's a good game in and of itself. All the stuff, all the mechanics work. It's fun to, it's fun to read and it's fun to play. And the core rule book comes with an adventure. I mean, they give you things like barding, you know, including um, metal barding, so you could deck your pony out in plate armor if you need to. Although you shouldn't, because you're not you're not going out, you're not going dungeoneering with your your pony character. Um, there's a cool thing in the back of the the option of doing a level zero adventure. Which I like because it calls back to the old school days when people would play something like AD&D, doing uh, starting from level zero. Um, I mean, probably these days people maybe think mostly about something like Dungeon Crawl Classics, 
which you start at level zero, but that was a thing before Dungeon Crawl Classics. Um, however, it also references the Cutie Mark Crusaders, um, who were some of my favorite of the secondary characters on the show, these three little, three little ponies who hadn't got their Cutie Marks yet and were always trying new things to see if they, if they could discover their hidden talent and, and get their cutie marks. And so you, you could start at level zero and get a cutie mark. That could be, that could be a, a really fun adventure as, a, as an optional thing after you've maybe done taking your first character all the way up to level 10, which is when they anticipate that you would retire them. So that would be uh, some optional, optional things to try. So, um, the one problem with this is that the free starting adventure that comes in the rule book has a terrible beginning. It's um, it's the worst kind of railroading, basically. Um, the plot of this adventure, spoiler alert, if you're going to play in it instead of run it, you'll want to maybe stop listening. But the plot of this adventure is um, the main the the main cast of the show need to skip town because they're going to go investigate something that sounds a lot more interesting than what your characters are about to do. And they need you to babysit their pets. And they, they each introduce their pets. They tell them how to tell you how to take care of them, what they like to eat, what they like to do. And they say, please don't let them wreck Fluttershy's cottage. And then they go away and leave you to it. And, you know, I've played games with kids a lot. When you set kids a quest and they accept it, they want to, they're going to try their best to succeed. And who wouldn't, you know? As far as they know, this is what we have to do. This is what this adventure is about. So they're going to try to take care of these pets and stop them wrecking the house. And it specifically says, no matter what they do, no matter what they rule, no matter, you know, how good a job they do at, at trying to get these pets to behave and be happy and not wreck the house, they will wreck the house, trap one of the PCs in a closet for no reason, and then escape. And the reason that this has to happen is because what the adventure is really about is about tracking all six pets into various parts of the Everfree Forest and getting them home again. So I get that, you know, you need the pets to escape in order for the rest of the adventure to happen. What I have a problem with is that you set them, you set the, the players up on this segment where they're going to try their best to do something and there's no chance of them succeeding. So any of their choices are meaningless because it was always going to end up the same way no matter what they did. If you so desperately need this one event to happen... I would recommend you just start after that event happens. So the way it's written is the players are in the main square in Ponyville and Fluttershy comes up and says, will anybody help babysit our pets? And they're supposed to say, we'll help. And then they go back and they get their instructions and stuff. Change it to they're in the main square. Fluttershy comes up and says, will anybody help find our pets? And then they go back to Fluttershy's cottage. It's a wreck. If you want to do that closet bit, one of the main six could be trapped in a closet and you can roll your body test to try to break her out. And then they're like, look, we have to go. We can't help you. We have to go and investigate this other thing. But I think there's tracks. 
leading to where they went. And then, you know, you can, cause once, once you're on the hunt for the, for the pets, it becomes a sandbox. You can look for any pet in any order. There's no specific order that you have to do. And the things that you do when you find the pets are really well set up. They don't give you a solution. They tell you the predicament the pets are in when you find them. And then they don't tell you how to solve it. They say, let, let your players get creative. And that's how I approach game design too. I don't, I don't plan the solutions. I only plan the obstacles. It's up to the players to handle the solutions because I don't want to get so married to one solution that I prejudice myself against the suggestions that the players have. So I don't even think of a solution. I just let them, you know, here's the problem. What are you guys going to do about it? And that's how these are set up. So once they're actually on the hunt for the pets, it becomes a great adventure but I can't get over that railroady beginning. So if I ever run this again, I'm embarrassed that I didn't think of doing this the first time. If I ever run this again for a new group, I'm going to do that. I'm going to have Fluttershy or somebody say, help our pets have escaped. You know, the thing has already happened. If there was never a chance of avoiding that, that outcome, start with that outcome. And I mean, that's my advice for like any type of adventure. You know, that's the, I, I don't mind so much adventures that have a beginning, middle, and end. But I do mind when you take agency away from the players, when, they're, when their choices don't matter because it was always going to go the same way. I, that's, that's like the cardinal sin for me of adventure design. The whole selling point of a role-playing game is that you literally can try anything and your choices will have an effect on the game the game will be different based on your choices. So your choices are meaningful. If you're not going to be able to do that, then we might as well play a video game. So that's, that's my opinion. Um, so yeah, I would definitely get this if you're a fan of, of uh, My Little Pony and RPGs and you have little ones in the house. But when you run that adventure consider doing that consider just starting it consider having fluttershy say help our pets have escaped and then you come back and the place is trashed and you know um although i was unhappy with the railroading in the uh the starter adventure i did go ahead and buy the sequel adventure curse of the statuettes mainly because it is the only way to get a copy of the awesome my little pony game master screen i love game master screens so i'm like i need that game master screen and the only way to get it is to buy curse of the statuettes which comes in a box with a set of dice and uh, a pad of pony character sheets so if you ever need more of those they're on a little pad just peel them off and away you go um like any good game master screen it has all the relevant tables on the on the gm side and great pony artwork on the character's side, on the player's side. Um, I do actually think, I mean, it's a much better adventure anyway, and I'll maybe review that one separately. It's less, it doesn't have the, the same railroadiness of it, so it, it's pretty good. Um, but it would be worth getting that just for the GM screen, um, if you like GM screens. If you're, if you're one of these people who doesn't care for GM screens, then, you know, you can go ahead and give it a miss. Um, going forward, because we have finished Curse of the Statuettes now, um, I'm going to take a page out of the Kids on Bikes book, and I'm going to start letting the the kids 
direct their own adventures. I'm going to give them that map of Equestria. I'm going to say, where do you want to go next? And then just start improvising an adventure based on where they go. You know, I've got all the stats for all the creatures that live in Equestria. We can just make it up as we go along. Um, they, they do want to go underground. They've just discovered an underground city, so they want to explore that. So I guess I will start brainstorming some ideas about what they might find there. Um, I need a drink. So that was a quick cameo from my son. So, you know, he really exists. Um, and I probably rambled on about My Little Pony as long as I need to. Um, I just listened to the previous segment back and I realized that I glossed over some terminology that um, people who aren't familiar with My Little Pony won't necessarily recognize. An alicorn is a unicorn with wings, a cross between a pegasus and a unicorn. Um, a cutie mark, so all the ponies in Ponyville, uh, at a certain age, they get a little symbol on their flank. And that symbol represents their one unique talent, the thing that they are best at. Um, so Rainbow Dash has a rainbow and a cloud symbol because she can fly so fast that she creates a sonic rain boom, which is a cross between a rainbow and a sonic boom. Uh, Rarity has a little jewel symbol because she actually can use her horn. She's a unicorn. She can use her horn to locate jewels, and then she uses those jewels to design uh, fashion garments. So uh, those are a couple of things that I just offhandedly mentioned without um, without really explaining. And yeah, if you if you haven't watched as much My Little Pony Friendship is Magic as I have, you wouldn't have known what those things are. So hopefully that clears it up. Um, and that's, that's about enough about My Little Pony. Um, next time I will respond to any more questions and queries, if any, or I might talk about kids on bikes, or I might talk about, um, how to run a D&D adventure for just one person, especially if that person is only six years old. Until then, um... Uh, see, I came up with a way to start the episode. I haven't come up with a, a cool sign-off. Um, well, I will think about a cool sign-off, and I will try to have that one ready for next time.